Today, I am scrambling to get things done, but what's new, y'all? Kind of overwhelmed, and while I lost a huge portion of my harvest when I was ill, my sweet potatoes are doing fine, and I'm very excited to tell y'all that they are now partially, some of them, working on their curing process. And that's really good, because I would just be heartbroken if I didn't have... (laughs) anything to share for this harvest this year. I mean, I have my peppers and I have a cowboy candy I made and we put up a lot of tomatoes, but it was, the growth was wonderful, but the farmer was in the house. And as soon as they release me to do so, I'm going to go get my COVID booster. I'm still not released to do that yet though. I'll get it. Anyhow, my sweet potatoes, and y'all know that I tend to grow Okinawan purple and Korean gold, they're doing great. I dug up about half of them just to see where we were, and oh, good lord, y'all. I am overwhelmed. Now, I know folks who will wait until December, and that has been me in the past. It depends on, like, are you going to get a hard freeze or not? to dig up all of their potatoes, but this year I decided to kind of cut the difference and see what happened, so I got half of them right away, and we're not looking at a freeze anytime soon, but I needed to get on it, so I reckon I have about 50, maybe 60 pounds, and uh, I found this wonderful way of curing them that doesn't require hot sun and hot temperatures outside. Now, my other friends have already decided to do this early in October down here in Alabama, and that way they can utilize the heat that was here and the sun that was here, but I was uh, a little busy at that time, and I found this wonderful video a couple of years back on how to do it in the house that didn't require as much as what is traditionally done, and so I just took mine in and I put them in a Tupperware, y'all with a mason jar of water and put them on top of a heating pad that is plugged into a thermometer that cuts on and off. And that way I'm able to get them up to what they need to be, which is at bare minimum 85 degrees. And I like keeping them there, just a nice solid 85. And this way, if they get too hot, that will cut it off in the middle of the night or whatever. And uh, the humidity tends to be fairly stable with that mason jar full of water. And I'm loading a video of how to do this over on Patreon. But it's quite simple and we don't have to go to half as much, you know, worry and work as we have in the past. Curing sweet potatoes is one of the downsides. I think the reason folks don't want to do it is too much work for them. But this is easy. The process of curing sweet potatoes, y'all, is so daunting that a lot of folks will just not even bother. But I can't live without mine. 
And since the local grocery store doesn't have a lot past like your regular orange ones, and I'm not that fond of them, I have to grow my own. Anyhow, that's what I've been doing. I've got all my onions cured. I've got my sweet potatoes curing. I've been running like a chicken with its head cut off trying to get ready for the bat children ball this weekend. I'm about to meet quite a bit of the supporters of the podcast. We are all meeting out in the middle of the woods and I told them we'd try to do a podcast out there, but I don't know. I don't know if we can do it or not. We'll find out. So I'm trying to get this one done for y'all and then run away (laughs) and go be feral out in the woods of Alabama with a bunch of other witches. And so I reckon I'm about to go make new memories. And that's a good thing because y'all here at Samhain, as we are slipping closer and closer, and here I am, having gone on vacation and putting on a ball out in the woods and had no time to think about what was coming at me, it should have been no surprise that I would also get haunted at this time of the year. But I am assuredly so. You know, I wish I could tell you, here as I'm starting to face down 60, I wish I could tell y'all who have written into me and told me about your traumas and what you've been through in your lives, especially with your mamas, I wish I could tell you that it goes away. But that wouldn't be true, and I'm not going to do it, even as I wish there is only so much we can do. I've always felt that our traumas and our injuries and our scars grow with us. You know, you've seen a tree that's been injured before, right? Especially when folks make the horrible mistake of cutting off a limb and doing it too close to the tree. And by the way, y'all, those are called flush cuts. And, uh, you know, that collar, that circular collar that runs right around a branch, especially a large one. You don't need to cut that flush there if you do have to take a limb because it opens the tree to infection. So that's the kind of cut I'm talking about. Like there are cuts in our lives that are just too deep. And if we are lucky enough to heal from them, uh, if our branch collar survives that kind of injury, it's still a wound. And that's what I'm trying to tell you, honey. We carry those. They remain and uh, we grow anyway, hopefully, if we're strong enough and lucky enough and the situation was open enough for us to heal but they are there and because of those wounds we are sometimes haunted in our old age by them you know I know y'all know what I'm talking about when uh, what's it called a ghost pain y'all I know somebody who had their testicle removed one time and had ghost pain in that testicle for the rest of their lives I don't think that's funny I have sons It is a real thing. I mean, it could be almost any part of you that while it wasn't critical to your survival as a living organism, was a very critical part of your identity and who you are. And once it's missing, y'all, bad children, you still feel the pain. You still do. And that is what I'm being haunted by. (laughs) Not a ghost ball, although... I reckon it comes close, y'all. I reckon it does. 
here at Samhain, I've got my ancestor table I'm going to work on. I've got all of the beloved dead that I've lost, and I want to honor them, and I am honoring them. But my heart keeps leading me back to these wounds. And it turns out at this time of the year, I'm also honoring what I've lost of myself. Yeah, I think that is what I'm doing. I don't know how many of y'all have gone to therapy, but I'm a huge proponent of therapy. And I've been to therapy on and off all my life. And that was actually required because of my childhood. But one of the things my therapist explained to me, I guess like 20 years ago now, is when I was having these um, bubble memories. I would be washing the dishes or, you know, running about trying to get ready to go somewhere. Something normal, something mundane. And suddenly I'd be blindsided, like a bubble would pop in my mind. And a full memory would be there that I'd repressed, I don't know how many decades, it depends. And they'd just bubble up, pop, pop. And I asked her about those. I said, what are these? They're extraordinarily intrusive and I, I'm in therapy. What the hell is this? This isn't okay. And she explained it to me. Now, I don't have all that science to my right or my left. And I want to go ahead and put a disclaimer here right now. I'm not a therapist. Do not listen to me and think I am one. I am not qualified for that. I am qualified, however, to tell you how to grow okra. But (laughs) what I'm doing is sharing my experience. And what my therapist told me was, your brain waits until you feel safe. Mm -hmm. When you are in a place where you are no longer an immediate threat of danger, or losing your life, or any number of other horrors that I won't share here, it will release these things for you to deal with, things that are lying deep within you. Some of us would just talk about this as uh, shadow work, what is lying in our shadows. But uh, for me, 20 years ago, it was a shock. I didn't want to deal with these things. I thought because I was in therapy, I didn't have to deal with these things. You know, we learn, honey. (laughs) I used to think 40 was old, and now I look back and go, oh, I was a kid. And you would think that by now, all of those bubbles would have popped, and you would be incorrect. It was only yesterday that one splattered all over my life, and uh, I'm still wiping up the mess. If y'all have listened to my podcast for a very long time, you would know that I don't have a great relationship with my mother, but that I idolized her most of my life and did everything she told me to do all the way up to 40-something, even as a grown-ass woman. And uh, I was writing, I was writing this piece of fiction for a magazine I write under my government name, and they had asked me to write about Christmas or New Year's. And I knew how they wanted me to write it, y'all. I call that kind of work passing. Sometimes I might even call it code switching. It depends on how violent the act might end up being. Anyway, I couldn't do it. I couldn't write this Norman Rockwell Christmas thing, or even 
a sparkly champagne New Year's Eve thing. I just couldn't do it. Every time I sat down to do it, I failed. And that would have everything to do with my childhood. <laughs> and it just wasn't going to happen. And so I started writing about the space in between Christmas and New Year's. Because I had learned a very important lesson there when I think I was 10 or 11 years old. And in the middle of writing this piece, a song started up in my head. It was uh, the Brothers Johnson, and the song was Strawberry Letter 23. And their album, I think, had just come out that summer, but that's what I got that Christmas. And, um, I mean, y'all, it's super trippy. Y'all to go listen to it. Kind of witchy, too. I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. Whatever. It, it's just a wonderful little song. Kind of funky. You know how the 70s had to be. And they wouldn't stop playing. And I was typing things I didn't know I was going to type. And somewhere in the middle of it all, it was like a tailspin and I was gone. I, the longer I heard the song in my memory, the more haunted it became for me. I could smell my mama. She had a particular perfume. And she was, and I'm sure, somewhere in the world, I don't even know where, is quite beautiful. And if I were ever enamored with anyone or in love with another soul, it was her. And uh, that apparition drew me in. And before I knew it, well, y'all, I was properly fucked. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I can't always be prim and proper. I was properly fucked. And that was only a week before I went on vacation. And... um it's only a handful of days before someone right now, and I'm being haunted. <laughs> I'm being haunted by my love for somebody who doesn't love me back the right way, by my resentment at always accepting her at her worst and her never accepting me at mine, um, by all the conditions on the relationship she put. Y'all know, it's like... I am now the matriarch of my little family. It's shocking to me because I'm really not that old in my head, but I'm grandma. I'm grandkitty, actually. <laughs> my gr grandchild calls me grandkitty. That would be because of my real name. I'll go ahead and tell y'all. All of my friends call me Cat. Mm-hmm. Now you know. Never thought I'd tell y'all, but there it is. But all of my witch friends call me by my magical name, Seba. So, please do continue. <laughs> anyway, I'm now grandkitty. That's who I am. And my children make decisions that I'm not comfortable with all the damn time. Now, only if I feel like I cannot keep my mouth shut will I say something. And even then, I make it clear that it's, you know, just my little old opinion. Because they have every right to worship who they want to worship. To love who they want to love, to make decisions for their child and how that child is raised. And I don't get those votes, y'all. I don't get that vote. I got them with my own kids. And not really, because honestly, I believe we're all individuals. I'm losing my argument here. Hold on. This is painful to talk about. Let me be crystal clear about what I'm saying. I am working on 58 years old. My hair is gray. 
and what. And I am grieving my mother still. Her ghost is everywhere. And as far as I know, she's not dead. And so I believe it to be the ghost of who I loved. And the ghost of who I wanted in my life. I'm not having a lot of the bad memories. You know, I know what they are. I could list them to y'all. I'm having the pop bubbles of the good things. And that is uh, often more painful, I think. I'm haunted. I know I'll get through it. I know that there's a lesson here. You know, it's almost like a bad breakup. It doesn't mean you need to call them. It doesn't mean you need to go back and get in that toxic relationship. But it might mean, I don't know, as a witch, I think it might mean that we haven't dealt with it fully. We haven't finished dealing with it yet. And therefore, it's the ghost of Halloween's past asking me to contextualize that loss. And that might mean that I, even though I thought I had done that, maybe I'm not done. Maybe I'll never be done. So while we can't and we shouldn't put photos and memorabilia up of someone who has not yet passed, I'm still dealing with someone that has become almost behind the veil for me because I can't get back to that. I can't get back to her. I can't get back to a place where I could hold her hand or hug her neck without ripping me in two. So it's still a death, if that makes any sense to you. And I don't know if you have any of that at this time of the year. If you have If you're haunted, if you're haunted by something from the past that the bridge is burned, honey, and you'll fall into the ravine if you try to cross it, but I do, and I just wanted to reach out and tell any of the other witches out there who have these little magical bubbles popping at this time of the year, you're not alone. You're not alone. What I've been doing is I've been talking about Big Mama a lot. I've been writing angry, heartbroken letters and burning them in fires. I think we all know that trick, right? And I'm also focusing on what I can be and what I can do. Now, not everybody who listens to the podcast, I understand, is a parent of any kind. But you might end up being a beloved dead to someone. And in that case, this would still count. What I do at this time of the year is I also think about me as a witch, my life, and how it could matter and what I can leave behind because I want to be an awesome ancestor, y'all. I really do. (laughs) And I also want to be a beloved dad to some of my friends. So in my pain and in my anguish, I burned all those letters and then I started new ones. And On those new letters, I wrote down who I wanted to be to someone. This is a very awesome exercise. That includes my friends. So if I thought about a particular friend, and I know my friend struggles with depression, and I know that my friend also has trauma from her childhood. We grew up together. And okay, so it's a real person. And uh, I know that I'm like one of her most you know, steadfast souls in her life that she counts on. Okay, 
if I were to pass away, what do I want to leave Susan? And I don't mean my favorite Afghan, although she may get it. I mean, am I telling her what she means to me right now? Am I reaching out enough? Am I offering the pieces of myself I can afford to offer? Let's also remember, y'all, that some of us give a lot of ourselves. But it doesn't matter the quantity, honey. It matters the quality, you know? So am I telling her how much I love her? And then I think out, what do I want to leave the land? And I've been working hard on that. I want it to be a protected habitat. And I want things to be wild here and beautiful and unpolluted. But then I look at my life as a grandma and uh, I think about the lessons I'm leaving my grandchild. What is she going to remember of me? And will those things pop like so many bubbles when she's 31, 41? 51. And then I land on my children because that is the place where I've suffered the most trauma in my own life. And you know what? I found myself, I've been pushing one of my children to do a certain thing in their life because I thought it would be best for them. And I was pushing so hard that I think I came across disapproving on the alternate choice. Once I thought that out, I called him and I said, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. You need to know that whatever you choose is your choice and I support that too. And I'm probably thinking like my own parents did and you don't need to listen to that. You need to hear me. Be happy, be healthy. And if I push past a boundary, stop me. I love you. So that's what it all led me to. But this afternoon, when my grandchild was uh, standing in the middle of beautiful fallen leaves, and there's two trees that do that the most, and she was dancing in them and spinning, and they started to spin in the air over her. You know, she's a magical child. As I was watching that happen, I started thinking about the well of weird. And I don't really buy into it wholesale. But I do see that she's spinning her own. And so when she left, I did it too. I threw all of the leaves in the air. And I spun with my hands up. And I let it all fall. All of it. My grief. Everything. I'm being haunted. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Sometimes ghosts want to tell you something, honey. And mine? Well, they just wanted me to remember who I am. And what I am is an aging witch who still loves the mama who didn't love her. And that's okay. That's okay to accept the scar on the side of my trunk. And in fact, I, I want to believe that it's made me a better person and a better mama and a better whatever. At the end of the day, the most haunting thing of all that's happening to me right now is the sound of my own echo. Because y'all, one day I'll be gone. And I can hear it. I just want to make sure that that sound is beautiful to my children. I'm wandering here, so when I wander and I'm this tired, I think, okay... Let's tell a story. <laughs> Are you shocked? 
I was told often when I was a little girl that I was pretty. That was a normal thing to be told. And beauty was highly valued when I grew up. That was highly valued by my parents. My grandma, the most important person in my entire life, never told me that. She never did. Now, what she did do, and I find it funny now looking back, she was leaving her markers. She knew she would haunt me, and she wanted to make sure that those hauntings and those memories and those bubbles that would pop would be healthy ones, something of value. So when I was a little girl, instead of telling me how pretty I was, she would mostly tell me I was very intelligent and smart and witty. She uh, would stroke my eyebrows. She was incredibly fond of my eyebrows. And y'all bless your hearts. Would you stop plucking your eyebrows? You're going to get to my age and do anything to get them back. Ugh. Anyway, she thought they were beautiful. And she'd stroke them and tell me how wonderful my eyebrows were. And what a strange thing looking back to, to note. But she did. And... The thing she did that made me feel the most wonderful had nothing to do with the way I looked. Whenever she would talk about me, she would always say, When you're good, you're so wonderful, honey. And when you're naughty, and then she'd raise one of her eyebrows up and say, Then you're my favorite. (laughs) And uh, I was that. I was her favorite which caused a lot of uh, angst in my family. She repeated that, that saying, when she was very old, right before she passed away. She couldn't recognize me. She was looking right at my face and couldn't recognize me. And someone behind her said, that's Kathy, which is what they called me when I was a little girl, and I hated it. And It's not actually my name on my birth certificate, so... And uh, she said, oh, and then her eye twinkled. She was so almost gone, but she repeated it. She said it again. Why that mattered was because it was going to haunt me all of my life. Now, I was only 42 when she said these words to me, and I'm 57 and almost 58 now. And I'm haunted. You see, hates aren't always bad. Sometimes they can mean everything to you. So I'm haunted by the possibility that I could be two things at once. That I could be whole. That I could be good and naughty and wild and feral and smart and pretty, and, and, and. This was the only human who ever made that possible for me. And that kind of acceptance, that kind of wild abandon and loving someone is really the only kind worth having. But that also means something for us, doesn't it? That means it's the only kind worth giving. And so... This year at Samhain, I hope that we are all working on being beloved dead. And some of us, honored ancestors. Someone is going to weigh our worth in the end, y'all. 
someone is going to make the decision on whether or not to put our pictures on the table, on whether or not to light a candle in our favor. And that's how I get through the haints. That's how I get through the hauntings, is remembering that no matter what, I have a choice in what I do as a witch, as a grandma, as a mama, as a friend. I have a choice. I can break the cycle. I can't think of anything more worthy to do at Samhain. Can you? All right. I need to thank my Patreon folks, and I haven't done that in a long time. I want to thank Don Osborne, Geraldine, Alyssa, Caitlin, Rebecca, Monica, and the Science Witch Podcast. I love that another podcast is actually supporting my podcast, and I highly recommend theirs. They're friends of mine, and they're amazing, y'all. Love y'all like chicken. I'll talk to y'all when I come back from the woods. Blessed be. Oh, and happy Samhain. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.